0: Ashton Rodenheiser is a visionary creative entrepreneur on a mission to revolutionise the way we think about drawing. She believes that everyone can harness the power of drawing as a thinking tool. In this episode, you'll learn about the art of sketchnoting, you'll discover practical tips for getting started with visual note-taking, and explore the benefits of incorporating drawing into your learning, note-taking and communication skill set.
1: I thought at one point that I wanted to be a sign language interpreter. So in order to do that, you have to take it in the city. And I had just finished a two year college program and was considering going into this other program, but you needed to take take some prerequisites. You had to take some ASL classes before you could even get accepted. And so I had to move to the city to take those and got a job that I really liked ended up staying for four years and took the prerequisites to get into sign language school but I didn't end up doing it you know not really any reason other than the fact that I did want to move home and I didn't want to have to travel back and forth because I wanted to stay at that job for a little while because it was really good skill building opportunity for me and Yeah, things just kind of changed um, direction for me, so I ended up not going down that path, but that was the primary reason why I decided to move there in the first place.
0: Right, okay. So you've kind of always been into alternative or less common ways of communicating, should I say. So, you know, sign language is a way to communicate with deaf people, but... Yeah. for you right now what you're doing is you know you're trying to communicate with people in a way that you know apart from blind people but i guess you know there's braille you know everybody can understand yeah. it's a, a universal language which is drawing or graphic note taking so when did you kind yeah. of become aware of graphic note taking or you know when did this come across your radar
1: yeah so the job i was just telling you about some of the skills that i was learning there was around like community development and facilitation And I really fell in love with the idea of how you can help groups of people move through whatever it is they're working through to get to some sort of goal and allow them to kind of come to their own understanding by just navigating the conversation, asking the questions, feeding back to them what you're hearing. It's less about you knowing the information and more about creating that safe space to help them navigate their own thoughts. And I really fell in love with that concept and that way of working. And when I moved back home, I wanted to try to continue to do that a little bit more, but it's a little difficult to, at the time I didn't have a business, I didn't have a consultancy practice or anything, I was quite young still, and i was just trying to connect with other facilitators in this very small place and there's not very many of us so i started volunteering a lot and trying to put my facilitation skills into action on a volunteer basis and one of my uh now very good friends uh that i was volunteering with he is a facilitator and he told me about this one day workshop that was happening in the city on graphic facilitation and I've always been very creative. I think I probably, if it would have been supported more, maybe I would have been an artist, some sort of artist. I don't know what I would have been, but I probably would have been some sort of artist. And honestly, I took that one day workshop and that was it. It was this beautiful coming together of all things creative, which I've always really loved, and this facilitation side where you can feedback, harvest what you're hearing in in pictures instead of words in those types of settings. And that was like almost exactly 10 years ago. It was like October or November of 2013. So yeah, and I really fell in love with it and decided a few years after that, that I would create a business around it and really kind of go all in on it.
0: Nice. And for the listener that doesn't know, what is graphic note taking? And like, how is it better than, you know, just writing down normal bullet points like most people would?
1: Yeah, so we most of us think in pictures. Right? And of course, I'll just I'll just get the cliché out of the of the way now, you know, what? picture's worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Right? Most people resonate with imagery. And sometimes I'll also use YouTube as an example because it's the second largest search engine in the world for a reason, right? We want to see things. We want to visualize things. We want to see someone making something. And you know, it's just our natural way of being in the world. It's just, everything's very visual. So it almost is odd now that, you know, I think about it now when we traditionally use uh, note-taking in the classroom when we were younger, it's all words. And for some reason, along the lines of when you're in elementary school, you go from drawing all your pictures before you're ready to write all the words, then to just all words in like a matter of you know, going from one grade to the next. And I just find that such an odd uh, shift that we make. And it, it's almost, I think it was just maybe almost unconscious. I don't even know. But we want to help kids write in words. So we take the drawing away, which I just think doesn't make any sense at all. And when we use drawing, um, we kind of have to redefine what drawing is. And unfortunately, most people along their life, some way, had some sort of experience where drawing was, or or so, any kind of like creative thing that they were doing was uh, squashed or squandered. Right? Most people have that experience. They either remember or they just have this like inner feeling of like, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not an artist. Oh, I can't draw. Oh, I can't do this. But you know, creativity is such a a skill set not it's not it's just like a way of being that is just innate to us that like i really truly believe that everybody is creative in their own way it's just they might not be creative in a traditional sense right maybe you're really good at making people laugh like that's being creative <laughs> maybe you're really good with words maybe you're really good with taking pictures on your phone like we're all creative in really different ways and it doesn't have to be you know putting pen to paper But I also believe that everybody can draw in the sense of if you can draw, if you can write letters, you can draw because letters are just drawing in disguise, right? Letters are just lines, they're circles, they're swirls, they're zigzags, whatever, right? And those are the core elements of drawing, right? So doodling as an art form, is really like non-threatening way for people to be creative because it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna do a doodle. And because it's called a doodle, it doesn't really mean anything. But doodling in a meeting or in the classroom can actually help you remember more information up to 29% more, right? So there is stats and studies, though I'm not gonna like rhyme them all off now because I'm not the best like stats and studies person, mm. <laughs> but they are an incredibly powerful tool to help yourself think and engage in a different way in our brain that helps solidify that information. And when I started this path down like graphic facilitation and live illustration as like for others, I started to really experience the power for myself and for the people I was working with, which is why I really decided like to kind of dedicate my life to learning how to do this really well. And then several years ago, I was like, this is a skill set that I really believe everybody can learn, even if you don't consider yourselves creative or you're not a, you know, you don't know how to draw or what have you. Like you can learn the drawing skills in a very short amount of time and, and benefit from, you know, the value behind, you know, visual note taking and sketch noting. Mm
0: there's a big movement now as well for people to not let their youth die or that youthful energy die. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you draw something, you think it's fantastic, you give it to your parents, they say it's fantastic, they put it on the fridge or they, you know, they frame it whichever way you, around you want it to go. And it's like you said, you know, writing is technically drawing in disguise because right. if, you, if you couldn't write, you couldn't hold a pen, which means you couldn't do this or you couldn't type on a computer and all this kind of stuff. So in the idea that let's say, you know, the person listed now hasn't drawn or considered themselves someone who can draw for the last 10-15 years ever since they left you know preschool and and all those types of places how do we get started with sketchnoting what does that look like in a meeting let's say you know for the most boring or one of the most boring professions going I'm an accountant (laughs) I'm in an accountancy meeting how can sketchnoting help me make this into a more memorable experience and where do I start
1: Right on. I will definitely dive into that, but I want to comment very quickly on something that you just said about, you know, when we're young, you know, they say it's fantastic and they put it on, on the fridge and all of that. But my first career was actually as an early childhood educator. And one of the things that we learn as ECEs, which is mostly zero to five years old is when a child creates a piece of artwork, you're not supposed to quotation, Tell them it's beautiful or say that it's pretty their artwork and their drawings or whatever they're creating is meant to open a conversation, right? So just as an early childhood educator would talk to a child about their artwork, that's how I see sketchnoting and all these other types of things. They Art creates a conversation, right? Sketchnoting helps deepen that conversation, right? Tell me about the color you used. I really like how you did that zigzag line, like, why did that connect over here, right? You ask questions to help them prompt in their thinking and explain further. So I just wanted your comment about, you know, just sort of like, oh, you put it on and it's like, you people say it's beautiful, right? I think that's where there's a bit of that disconnect because then there's focus on the product versus the process, right? And the beauty of sketch noting is in the process of it. You know, I do teach the aesthetics of it because people want a sketch note that looks nice. And I totally appreciate that. And I've worked very, very hard over years to create sketch notes that look nice, especially when they're for clients, they better look pretty decent, right? Um, But yeah, I just wanted to comment on that before I kind of go into your next question.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that makes sense. And as well, because you're, you know, more educated on this topic than I am. I don't have children. (laughs) I've never worked with young children in, you know, a professional setting. That makes perfect sense that you should be using it as a a trigger point to kind of go, hey, that's so cool. How did you make that green? How did you make that orange? And I'm sure there's parents out there that obviously knew this already, but I had no clue. So, uh, (laughs) you know, you're educating me on this already, but... Yeah, how, how do we use yeah. sketchnoting in our in our meetings or, you know, in our
1: mm-hmm.
0: day-to-day lives? What does that look like and you know, where is it applicable?
1: Yeah, so I think sometimes when we use the word like when we start talking about sketchnoting and visual note taking, people automatically go to the extreme of like, oh, now we have to draw everything and I don't know how to draw, right? And then that just closes the door. But sometimes it's even just a matter of just in incremental shifts by per small percentages, right? So if you capture all in words now, maybe you capture 98% words and you add in, a, start to add in a little bit of visual elements, just very, you know, in small ways. And then over time, as your confidence grows and you start drawing things over and over again, you need build up that muscle memory, maybe you can shift it, but the writing is still always going to be really important. Like content, content is always going to be like king or queen of of your sketch notes. So you need to have. You're going to still have a lot of information on there. Um, one of the first things that I encourage people to do is to throw away lined paper and start capturing on plain paper. So if it's white or if it's purple, it doesn't really matter what color, um, the line, the, the blank piece of paper is, but most people have printer paper lying around, you know, just grab that, throw it from vertical or portrait style to its side. And those two small shifts alone, just kind of Tell your brain, like, something's different here. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) I'm going to capture my notes, but the paper looks different. Where are my lines? Like, what is happening? So even just that small shift makes you, forces you kind of out of that traditional note-taking sense of just capturing line after line of information. And with sketchnoting, you have to trust yourself a little bit around how much information to capture and trying to synthesize. And the beauty that I think sketchnoting and visual note-taking helps solve the issue when you're in a meeting or you're in a classroom, a lot of times when people are taking notes, if they're typing them, they're just typing words like a mile a minute, or they're writing down everything that they're hearing as quickly as they can, but you're missing the most important part, which is the thinking part, which is the part where you listen to something and you're trying to make sense of it, and then you capture it down right? So sketch, visual note-taking, add in this extra element of the thinking, right? Because sometimes when you just capture all your notes on line paper, and then after you're like, what did they just say? Like what just happened in that meeting? Like, I have no idea. I have all these notes, but I don't remember anything, right? Because we skipped that part, which is pretty darn important of the thinking, of the making sense of what you just listened to. And when you have to like be thinking while you're listening and then add in a little line or a little square or a little stick person or whatever you want to do to help visualize it, that's just going to reinforce that thinking that you did that you know, you could just do in words, but because we're visual, most of us are visual um engage in a visual way it's just going to be more of like once you kind of get over and you learn some like little drawing skills you know it just becomes more of a natural way of of capturing and the first element that I always teach is how to draw a line right so it's not we're not talking rocket science here when it comes to drawing right? And how you can use simple elements like a line to help emphasize different things. So a line, you could create a sketch note that is just information and lines, and it would look pretty nice. And it probably would help you remember more too, right? Because a line can help you connect, can help separate, can help highlight, can help show flow of information around a page, right? You can do a lot with very simple things like a line Turn that line into an arrow. Turn that line into a square, right? Just simple shapes to kind of get you started.
0: Mm. And so, let's say we're now sketch noting, and for us, we're we're new to it, so we're gonna do a lot less writing, a lot more thinking. So we might take the highlight words of what we're talking about here. You know, we might have. Uh, for example, now, okay, I've got the word podcast and I've put a line between it and I've put guest and I've put another line and I've put story. So these are kind of three mm. buckets I want to pleasure, like, you know, fill up. So, all right, we're doing the podcast. I've got the guest. Now, what's the story type thing? Now, let's say I'm in the story bucket. How can I draw my notes to kind of get an idea of what's going on in my head? What's the kind of formula we're using here? I've already got the lines down. I've drawn three lines.
1: <laughs>
0: What's the next step past the lines?
1: Yeah, so it's about how you can use these drawing elements to help you connect to the information on the page. So every sketch note is going to look different. So I can't tell you the exact formula that you're going to have to do. But lines, you know, if you have information spread around your page or in a certain area, you can use a line to kind of help show flow of that information or use an arrow. If you want to start like grouping, let's say you have one piece of your paper and it's all the same kind of idea. You can use something, what I call a container. Now, a container can just be something as simple as a square or a little speech bubble or a circle or some sort of, you know, just really basic shape to help show that that information belongs together. Right. Um, you can also draw like stick people if you want to. I think it's important to draw people on, on our sketch notes, because a lot of times people are represented in what it is that we're talking about. Um, but you can upgrade your stick person to a star person, right? Like the little head and the little like pointy arms and legs that, and then you can move them around a lot easier than a stick person. So Every, like, it's kind of like embracing like happy little accidents, like channeling Bob Ross (laughs) a little bit when it comes to what it's going to look like, because even when I'm doing it, um, in the majority of the time it's live in real time, right? Like when you're in a meeting, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like you don't know what people are going to say, right? So if you just have some of those foundational elements, like, okay, I know lines, I know arrows, I know containers, I know people choose a couple colors And you can go from there right and then once you kind of start playing around with some of those after you capture information around your page then you can start adding in um, building in what i call your visual vocabulary so those are things that are a little bit more illustrative like we're starting to get into more of like traditional drawing whereas most of the time i introduce when i talk with people about it i introduce the concept of icons right so drawing icons that have multiple meanings. So for the first couple of years, and I didn't know how to draw very well, I would just throw a light bulb on everything because it's easy to learn how to draw. <laughs> you can change it up from time to time. You can put a little smiley face on them if you want to. <laughs> um, and most of the time there would be something in that meeting or in that session that kind of came up as like a top highlight or something like I really wanted to remember. So I would stick my little light bulb, right? So I'm starting to add in a little bit of visual imagery in a small way, right? That's kind of not not too scary, Um, but ideally you start to learn visual icons that have more more than just one meaning. So you can use them in a variety of different ways. So like um, uh, a magnifying glass can represent focus, it can represent analyzing, like it can represent multiple ideas. So once you kind of learn a few simple icons to get started, then that have multiple meanings. And you can just like start drawing them over and over and over again on your sketch notes. And then you just kind of build on that muscle memory. And then you just learn more and more little drawings and how to connect information. Um, but I would say the most important thing to shift our thinking in when it comes to capturing the information on the page, like I said, that's still going to be very, very important is instead of you know in traditional note taking on lined paper we capture in long lines and then we go underneath and we capture in long lines you want to capture your information on in your sketch note in like an invisible box right so i call it blocking your content so if you have a sentence you're going to write like two or three words and then you're going to go underneath and you're going to write two or three words and then underneath and it's never going to be a perfect square <laughs> it's never going to be a perfect invisible square but if you can imagine now you have a blank piece of paper and you've got these little invisible, invisible like squares of information all over the page. And now you have room around the, those pieces of information to add in your lines and your arrows and your containers and your little icons and things like that. So, um, Yeah, is that, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, it
0: makes perfect sense. And and now I'm kind of thinking about like, you know, in a corporate context or, you know, in a business, everyone's quite big on mind maps, which is just circles and words connecting to each other. Now I'm assuming this is much more developed and much more engaging as opposed Mm -hmm. to the old kind of mind map technique that we're used to. So how does this kind of help organizations to, well, I don't know, how does it help organizations? I guess is what I want to ask, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll comment on the mind map because I get that quite a lot. It's like, oh, it's like a mind map. I'm like, it's, it is, but it isn't. I think it's a beautiful way for people to relate to it and how, how it might look like, but the way that I see mind map, which I still am a fine fan of mind maps, but I see it as more of a template you're filling, you know, you are building it as you go, but it's still a very, um, structured way of capturing information has like rules (laughs) where sketch noting doesn't have a whole, like there's a lot more flexibility. There's no rules necessarily with sketch noting. You can add as many or as few drawings as you want. You can capture however you want, right? Where mind map is like, put your ID in the middle, put a circle around it, and then you branch out from there. So and templates can be a really, um, nice way as an entry point into, into it because sometimes encountering a blank page can be very, very intimidating, which is why I always tell people like throw a title at the top and now you don't have a blank page anymore. It's like less scary. Um, but when it comes to businesses and organizations, I love working with folks who like the information is really complex, right? It's very, uh, you're trying to move through, you know, and gain clarity on something. When you're in situations where there's multiple voices, it's a really beautiful way to really showcase that people feel heard and valued in the room, right? So you say, you throw out an idea there and the graph. usually I call myself a graphic facilitator or a live illustrator when I'm in those scenarios. And someone throws out an idea and here I am capturing what they just said, right? Whereas a lot of times when we're in these types of settings, people throw out ideas or there's a really loud voice or what have you, and you don't know if what you said was heard. Um, you don't know if it was even a good use of your time to be there. And then a lot of the time the outputs from those types of meetings are reports, which are all words, and they get stapled and put in a drawer never to be seen again. Um, so when I work with people, I'm like, no report here. (laughs) You don't get a report because you get the graphic that represents everything that was just said. And if you want a report, you can write one, (laughs) you can go ahead and do that, but I'm not doing that for you because the visual is really helping reflect what it is that they're trying to move through and get towards. Right. And then I've had organizations hang them up in their hallways or their lunchroom as this additional accountability tool. So, there's this sort of engagement in the room, which is really beautiful to allow people really to feel engaged and heard and valued and seen. And then this output at the end that now you can actually go on and do your work and you can see what it is that you are trying to accomplish or trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I think what you're doing is the future. You know, there's going to be a lot more people. Hiring people like yourselves to come to their conferences or their talks and create this graphic that then gets sent out afterwards, as opposed to here's a recording of the whole thing for you to watch. It's like, no, here's the graphic. You were there for that. It will trigger the right, right. parts of your memory and get you going. But exactly
1: for the, yeah,
0: well, for the people out there that kind of go, okay, I've got this graphic now. What do I do with it? You know, what mm-hmm. is the kind of aftercare of having the graphic? How do I utilize this? Wonderful piece of art, or this wonderful memory kind of storage solution, to its full capacity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's this there's this other stat, if I can get it right. It's you know, if when you take words and pictures and you put them together, it increases action up to eighty nine percent. Right. So by having the graphic, and hopefully reflecting on it. <laughs> can help you increase your action that you will do something with that information. So I do a lot of conferences, like you just threw out conferences. I do a lot of those. And most of the time when we're in these events, there, there's so much information, right? And exactly what you said, we can't, we're not, we can't expect people to go and watch a recording (laughs) eight, like eight, 12 hours of recordings. Like that's just not happening right? So, and because we live in a bit of this instant gratification world, it actually kind of is really good for that in, in a sense. And so by having this graphic to reflect on after, you know, print it off and hang it and put it on your desk or hang it on your wall, you'll go, you can look at it very quickly. We'll take you back to that conversation and go, oh, right. I remember when he said this and then he told that funny joke. Okay. That was that point. Oh, right. And I remember, I want to try to do that in my meeting next time, or how I need to incorporate this security protocol or, oh, I got to look up that, um, that program that they used or something like that. Right. Where it's, it's a very, it's a great opportunity to quickly reflect, take you back to that conversation, remember what you wanted to remember most about it. And then have that increased opportunity for action, which I would like to think that most speakers at a conference or most so-and-so's at ahead of a meeting want you to actually do something with whatever they just said, right? So if you can increase that action, I think that is, it's, it's, I think it's more benefit than what people realize. Then sometimes they want the illustrator to do the thing in the room and it's cool. But sometimes I don't even think they realize all the extra value benefits that they're getting from it, like that that increased action. Yeah. Let alone using it in your marketing for next year and and showing your sponsors that, you know, this is was the output and how great was it and all the kind of stuff, right?
0: oh yeah no most definitely I I was at a conference last week and the guy that was running the conference this guy called James Sinclair who's a pretty decent entrepreneur over here the reason I say pretty decent he's not you know Warren Buffett or anything like that or Elon Musk but he's a big entrepreneur here and he had these flip charts that he was going through drawing and he wasn't you know drawing pictures per se but making a graphic and drawing it and then you know notating on it there And it's very kind of you know intense because you know you're watching Mm -hmm. him do this you're watching him create it you know blank sheet of paper now there's a graphic on it now there's a word there he's drawn a line between the two he's telling you you know this and this and how to do this and that and at the end of the conference when we were packing up everything and you know getting out of the venue one of his assistants ran over and said what do you want me to do with these he's like oh keep them because i'm going to use those for youtube videos in the future like they're already Mm -hmm. there you know what I mean? I'm gonna make sure that I, I use these again because now they're my thoughts right. actually put down. So it was, it was really interesting to hear mm-hmm. how you you know, said that these kind of get used. One thing I would mm-hmm. ask you as well though, is you're by every definition, a creative entrepreneur. You're a creative that is making a living from creation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does that yeah. look like day to day? What does that look like for you You know, in the beginning versus now? I'm curious.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have another hour to talk about this? No, just kidding.
0: Of course I do. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Those first few years were were a bit tough, I'm not going to lie. And I'm really, really glad that I persevered through it Um, because it was really, I was building my skill in the craft of what it is that I do while also building a business And it was quite challenging and I didn't have any experience building a business. I didn't take any business classes. Like I really winged it big time, really had no idea what I was doing. And I, I, what I did look in and lean in on inspiration from others in this field. Like it's very small, (laughs) but we're a bit of a tight knit worldwide community and Because of the nature of the work, everybody has a business. So I call it I looked for the evidence, right? I you could certainly look for the evidence of starving artists out there, but I I was like determined not to pay attention to the people in the field that weren't doing well. I was really dedicated (laughs) to focus all of my attention on others that are doing it. I'm like, if it's possible for them, it's possible for me. And I just had to constantly remind myself that it is possible and that others are doing it. So there's gotta be a way, you know. I certainly there's certainly things that I would have changed, you know. I, I didn't invest in myself as much as I should have in the beginning, you know. But there were certain things that I'm really glad that I did. Like I really worked on my mindset. I read books on rejection, right, to get me through those hard points of every time i would get on a sales call i was be a- i'd be absolutely terrified every single time i got a no i was absolutely gutted it was it was a hard go there for a while and of course i got lots of nos because of so many different reasons either it was the pricing or it was my energy or i just didn't explain the value enough so it was like those first few years were a lot of trial and error and i'm glad i sort of <laughs> muddled my way through and I feel like I am kind of on the other side. It's more just working with repeat people, and people see me at an event, and I worked with them. You know, it's I'm not having to do as much putting myself out there as I've had to. Um, and even with COVID, I I was 100% in person before COVID. So then, on a overnight, I had to take my in-person business online. And so that was quite a learning curve, right? So it certainly has had its ups and downs over the years for sure, but I I am glad that I've persevered and I really am finally kind of on that, that other side over the last little while. And which gives me this opportunity that I've been wanting to do for a long time is like, you know, you don't have to just hire me to illustrate your conference or your meeting, but you can learn how to do this for yourself, whether you're a student or you attend a lot of meetings or you just want to do it for fun. We should probably mention that it's fun, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's allowed being able to kind of have this flexibility in my business, uh, to be able to add in this, this piece that I've been wanting to do for a really long time is to teach people. Cause you know, I, I just want more people to experience the power of, of how they can visualize their ideas and information,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that idea of like, in the beginning you were struggling because you didn't know how to set your pricing, you said your energy might not have been right and the value proposition wasn't there. I think a lot of creatives can kind of, you know, take the same energy they've put into learning their craft, whether that's, you know, music or drawing or whatever it is, and take some of that hard sweat equity of, you know, doing something each day and getting better bit by bit by bit, into business skills and Mm -hmm. you learn you know the basics of sales dealing with rejection knowing how to put your price in the right place or you know talking to the right people that are ready to pay that price or see the value in what you're doing which is you know infinitely like a skill that you should know is basically sales people say if you know sales and marketing you'll never be poor I'm like okay (laughs) great you know but you can't tell that to a creative person because they're more focused on the oh this you know gives me joy it really feeds my soul it's like yeah but you gotta sell you know what I mean (laughs) and selling you can't sell with every soul in it unfortunately selling is selling and there's an art form to it you know
1: yeah, it is definitely a funny thing because when, when you get a no or a rejection as a creative person, it's extremely difficult to not take it personally. Like, no, they're not attacking my work and my creative, everything about it is like my creativity. <laughs> and it's not that they're saying no, they're just saying no to the service and not no to you as a creative. Or So it, it is a, and yeah, you really do have to work on your mindset to get out of that um, starving artist mentality, because that can just like hold you down so, so much. And I do speak to a lot of creatives and folks who are, you know, anytime I get an opportunity to speak to like young people about entrepreneurship, I'm like, yes, pick me, pick me. Cause I'm like me with the weird business, (laughs) You, you can do it. Like it's possible to, to be creative and be a successful, like have the flexibility that, that you want when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Right. Um, it's probably maybe a good and a bad thing that I am a bit of a workaholic. Like I do love to work. I do. And I, and I am fascinated by business. So by having that, <laughs> maybe the workaholicism <laughs> was a good thing in the, those first few years, cause I just wanted it so bad that I was like, I, you know, um, and, and I had, I, I've always had kids while building a business, right? So also trying to raise like small humans and build this business, you know, it's, it, it, it was tough there for a little while, but, and I'm always, it's, it is fun to, now that my kids are a little bit older too. And how they talk about what it is that I do. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, mom's drawing pictures for someone again," or what? <laughs> or you know, they like to tell people I'm an artist, and it, it's it's really cute. I really like it yeah
0: yeah i mean in this day and age job titles are just like not even a thing of the past they're just really strange <laughs> and all over the place so yes technically you are a full-time artist as far as yeah. they're concerned and then for you you're like no i'm a sketch noting whatever yeah. professional but you know there's all kind of weird titles out there there's like people that have done this thing called agile whatever and they call themselves yeah. lean black belt sigma six is it, you know all these <laughs> weird titles and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous but um
1: oh i love changing my title i change it all the time i've been calling <laughs> myself a professional doodler lately because it's just fun it's like well, what you're a professional doodler like what the heck does that mean yeah well that sparks <laughs> conversation just fun. Yeah, no. it's just fun yeah, that feeds
0: <laughs> back into what you were saying earlier about you know getting the value right and getting everything to do with what you do correct if you say i'm a professional doodler people go What is that? Suddenly now the conversation is going from a different place from you going, oh, Hey, there's this thing called sketch noting. And if you do this and do that, then it does, it's like, you know, that's not what's selling to somebody. Someone's going to buy from you because they believe in what you, what you're doing, or they're just curious about it. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you mentioned that you want to teach people this. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What does that look like? Where can they get you to, you know, to teach them these things? What kind of things can they expect to learn on your course? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so I really kind of took the the last, well, I guess at that point it was like 8 years of learning this skill for myself and the trials and tribulations of all of that. And I really felt like a beginner 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 content was missing in this in this field and a lot of the stuff that you see are people like me who've been doing for a long long time. So, I went on this journey to write the Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting book and I, I, it took me about a year and a half, which isn't too bad, but I also did, I I really leaned in on this philosophy by this guy named Rob Fitzpatrick. He has a book called write useful books. And I was really on a mission to write a useful book because what happens a lot of the time is in with nonfiction, you get to the end of the book and you're like, what did I just learn? Did I just learn what the title was? That was pretty much it. Like they're idea books and I did not want to write an idea book on sketchnoting and why sketchnoting is great and what it's good for and blah, blah, blah. Like you just got that from listening here. Like you can skip all of that. Like you can Google those things, right? But someone who was like, oh, I want to try something different. That's going to help me, right? They don't need to like read 500 um, pages of why, right? So once I sort of heard and and leaned in on his philosophy, I, I sort of set the wheels in motion. And one of the things that he kind of, um, encourages people to do too is the beta beta reading process, right? So I did three and a bit, because I had to rewrite a chapter three and a bit beta reading rounds where I got feedback from people Um, And that was such a valuable learning experience while writing the book because it highlighted things that I thought were common sense that were not for people and things that I was missing or things that people were confused about. And it, yeah, it really helped me be able to really stay grounded and rooted in the idea of trying to write the most useful book as possible. So when someone gets to the end, they're like, I can sketch note now right? It's not a long book. There's ton, it's mostly drawings, (laughs) drawings that help just reflect what it is that I just wrote, right? It's mostly drawings and really to try to make the, this, learning the skill as easy as I possibly can, right? Which is why some of the things I mentioned earlier, but like draw a line then draw an arrow and like things that just start to like build upon each other. And, um, so yeah, that I put that out a few months ago and just sort of in a space of talking about it now with folks to try to get it out there a little bit more for folks that are interested in kind of learning this for themselves, but absolutely like emphasis on the beginner of the beginner sky to sketch noting, because if you have smart skills, cool, like that will benefit you, but you really don't need to have any previous experience to kind of get into the book and um, so that's I think gonna probably be the most um common way for people to kind of get into when it comes to learning for me. And I'm I'm like revamping my YouTube channel, so I'm gonna be putting some more stuff out on there too. But um everything sketchnote school is what I've called called all of my things. I have an online community. We had a guest speaker in there today, it was so fun, <laughs> talking about his journey, like using sketchnoting skills, but like drawing maps. That was really cool, right? So all these different use cases for it too, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, oh, I heard information, I drew it down, right? I posted something in the community too of a recipe. So I took a picture of my soup and then I drew the recipe over top of the picture, right? So um, just trying to like expand your mind on, and how you could also use the skill in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, well, okay, good. So yeah, got there, get, the Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting. You're going to change your life with that. <laughs> Something that's been really impactful for me is this drink called Magic Mind. It's like a energy drink power shot thing. Mm-hmm. And it's for focus, for energy, and for less stress. It's got a whole bunch of nootropics in it. It's got Lion's Mane Mushroom, Cordyceps Mushroom, rosea, Ashwagandha, l Turmeric, genuinely for me as an entrepreneur, it's been life-changing. I'm able to kind of get through the day without these caffeine crashes and these peaks and troughs in my energy throughout the day. And uh, I've got a discount code for listeners of the show. The discount code is stringcast20. So if you go to magicmind.com and you pick a subscription or you pick a one-off purchase, you can use the code stringcast20 for 20% off. And uh, yeah, genuinely for me, that's been absolutely life-changing. But it seems like you do a lot of learning. You've mentioned, you know, books in general, and you mentioned a specific book just a minute ago. Do you have yes. any other kind of books that have stood out to you, or any kind of podcasts or YouTube channels, basically places where you've done your learning to become the entrepreneur or businesswoman you are now?
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely consume. I'm, mo- I'm more of an audio book person just because I don't always have hands free with kids. Course, right. Yeah. I can take the dog for a walk and listen to a book or. Be watching them play and be listening to a book. So um, I'm more of an audiobook person, but I do consume a ton, a ton of business um, books, in particular money books. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of those. I would say my favorite book that I've ever read when it's come to kind of business is called Overcoming Underearning by Barbara Stanney. I think she's a Husson now, H U S O N. But I don't. I think her book is still in Stanny. Her last name's Stanny, and it's this concept of like you could make very little money and be an under earner, but you could also make a decent amount of money and still be an under earner, right? It's a more about tapping into your skill set and your potential and your belief system around money and how what we say and think about money and, and our actions and how we can kind of align those a lot better. And it's a very interactive book with exercises and activities and things like that. Um, she, uh, her dad was actually um, one of the co-founders or the founder of H&R Block, but he didn't teach her about money. And he basically said, like, find a nice guy to... Um, you know, take care of you (laughs) and ended up in a bad place with her husband owing like over a million dollar in taxes that she had to figure out a way to pay back. Um, Yeah. So that, that's probably my, like, that's always usually my go-to one when people are trying to like figure out how to rewrite their beliefs around money because you're in business for a reason and there's passion and the vision of what it is you're doing, but it's also to make money, right? Because if you're not making any money in your business, you don't have a business, right? Like you can have all the passion and all like the gumption in the world to get that message out there. But if you're not getting the energetic return in a form of money, you don't have a business. (laughs) So especially from a creative standpoint and creatives have tend to have such a not so great relationship when it comes to money. So, um, you know, th- those are sort of the ones that I tend to, you know, I am a bit of a minimalist, so, and, and I don't have a desire to create a gigantic company, right? So I, there's like essentialism by Greg McEwen, I think Ooh, I'm bad with last names and there's one called company of one, right? So there are like, you know, basically like find what resonates best with you and find a book that's going to help you walk through that idea, right? Like those, those kind that I just spoke about, because I think it is, it's so easy to fall into the trap of like how you're supposed to do it, which is what you normally see online, right? That's the supposed to do it. And sometimes it just takes a little extra work to find the YouTube channels or the books and stuff that resonate with the way that you want to run um, your business. And it doesn't have to be from a very like, raw, raw, kind of do this or you'll suffer kind of energy or scarcity tactics and that kind of stuff you don't have to run a business that way right and i think that took me a long time to realize like i can run my business in a way that is really authentic to me but also you know i don't have to kind of like get sucked into that kind of thing
0: oh yeah no 100 percent. and there's a lot of people that will say to you oh you need to grow your business you need to get some employees you need to you know take some funding on that will help you do this and that it's like if i'm making enough money to live i'm happy with how i'm living What's uh-huh. wrong with that? If I can maintain this over time and I've got the skills to keep clients coming in or keep clients coming back every month or every week, what's wrong with this? Yeah. And I think that's that's a message that definitely needs to be put out there more, you know.
1: Yeah. Like show up and do a good job for the people that want to work with you. Like build relationship, right? Like A lot of the people I've worked with this year are just repeat clients that I love working with. Like I had a call with one last week and they want to talk about their events next year. And I told them, I was like, you guys are my favorite. I'll drop anything for you guys. (laughs) Like they are my number one people. They hire me for multiple things a year. Like they, they alone could be a full-time job, you know, like I love them to pieces and they're so respectful about what I do. And you know, sometimes it takes a while to find those people. But when you do just like keep showing up and just being amazing. (laughs) And it will just sort of work itself out.
0: Yeah. And that's part of entrepreneurship is, you know, believing as well as doing customer service or, you know, having good client relationships. And, you know, one thing that's obviously quite clear here is that you, you have clients, you have your business, it's running very well. And I've been asking people this, you know, kind of on and off over the however many episodes I've done, but I'm wondering like what is the vision for your business or what is the mission because you know a business without a mission
1: mm-hmm.
0: doesn't really sell so well so i'm wondering you know what is the the mission of your company or your business
1: yeah usually what i like to say is i help people break down complexity using visual language right and so i think you're asking me this question at a really interesting time because of the launch of my book and really changing, I'm in a bit of a transition space of, you know, I'm not really doing as much of the live illustration work and I'm more taking the leap into the education role, which in its own right is just like, opens up a whole other different space for me because I am more visible, right? Like I am talking to you, my face is out there, whereas i've spent all the years these years hiding behind the graphics like let the graphic do the talking right instead of ashton so for me the mission and vision of the business is trying to get this skill set in as many hands as possible right and less about me spending t- as much time being the illustrator you know because i can't impact as many people in that way they can experience it for a point of time But now I'm trying to be more like, how do I get that marker into as many hands as possible so they can experience it on an ongoing daily basis, even whereas, you know, instead of me just being there for a point of time and yeah, so that's sort of, you know, I might have answered this question a bit differently a year ago when I wasn't kind of ready to be fully in it, but now that I'm in this kind of transition space, the mission and vision of the business kind of has shifted from there. Instead of providing these experiences for people to really feel valued and have that long-term impact on an individual basis. It's more about how can I get this skill set in as many hands as possible in a like non-threatening, <laughs> low barrier to entry in a way that feels really like authentic, um, you know, whether you have ten dollars or a hundred dollars or more like it doesn't matter right the skill set should be able to be used for anybody no matter what their background or um a, a ability is mm-hmm. yeah
0: i'm kind of following on from that what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy
1: i well recently because i've been in this this new kind of vision space it's Every time I see someone try, like they, uh, you know, I have like a little online community, like I mentioned. And every time a new person joins and shares their first sketch note, I just like, it just makes my day. And I think they think I'm exaggerating, but I really am not. (laughs) Like anytime I see someone put pen to paper in any kind of form, I just totally geek out. Um, So it's mostly those things recently where it does it reaffirms for me my vision um and it opens that door to create that safe space for people to share you know what they say is a not so nice looking (laughs) sketch note or drawing um but yeah the that's what's really bringing me a lot of joy lately is just seeing people share and feel comfortable sharing and us just being able to celebrate because creating your first one is the hardest, right? It really is. That I think that's like that for most things in life, right? Just taking that first step can be the most challenging. So um, that's what brings me the most joy in my work recently, yeah.
0: Where can the people find you online?
1: Yeah, so if you want to learn how to sketchnote, it's pretty easy. Just go over to sketchnote.school and I've got my newsletter, my community, my book, all of the, the links to everything is on there. Thank
0: you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.